The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to the Monkeys Fighting Robots podcast with Matthew Sardo. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ass. <laughs> Holy sh! They're actually monkeys fighting robots! You can follow us on Twitter at monkeys underscore robots and on Instagram at monkeys fighting robots. Make sure to download and review our podcast from iTunes and Stitcher. And now, here's your host, Matt. Welcome to the 48th episode of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Did everyone survive this past weekend? It, uh, it was a rough one. You had all the chaos of Fantastic Four. And then Sunday night, HBO decided to kick you in the nards with a True Detective Season 2 finale. I will do my best to cheer you up with a nice, fun Cindy Williams interview in the first half of the show. But the second half of the show, I am going to have to talk about the multitude of frustrations that I have had with the second season of True Detective. Before all that, though, I want to put a closing thought on Fantastic Four. Felix and I went in depth on Fantastic Four last Thursday in episode 47 podcast and we kind of go through and we talk about it and where it ranks and what it does there were so many hands in that film the film just kind of comes off block you know and you, you don't care about anybody and then it kind of ends and you're like oh it seemed like the whole movie was an origin and then you have a two second fight at the end and you're like okay we're done and it's like, oh yay we're Fantastic Four let's have a sequel I want to I question you critics on this Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance is at a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fantastic Four is at a 9%. There is no way in God's creation, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance, is a better film than the new Fantastic Four film. This is where, at least in sports, if you hit a home run, you know it's out. They're, they don't move the home run line or they don't move the goal line in football or they don't move the you know they, they don't change the size of the net in hockey or if they do they establish those rules in advance but with film critics you guys are moving the goal line around wherever you want wherever it fits your story you you move the goal line around and and that's unfair I understand that reviewing films is a very subjective concept. All I'm asking is that you be consistent when you write your review. Giving Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance a 17% and then following up Fantastic Four with a 9%, that's a little inconsistent. What I would love to see is Josh Trank's version actually come out in a director's cut. So Fox, if you're listening, I love you. Just keep making your products. 
You missed on this one. Just get back up, swing the bat again, give me a nice Josh Trank director's cut of Fantastic Four, let the audience see what happened and be like, and accept your punishment. You know, accept the beat. And be like, hey, Fox, you really messed up. You should have left Josh's version in or should have been like, oh, wow, you were kind of right. This is a messed up film. I appreciate everything you've done for us, Fox. You've made some X-Men movies, made some Fantastic Four movies. Fox, you know, you guys just keep doing what you do. You know, I mean, you swing, you miss, you get back up, you swing again, make another Fantastic Four movie and try to get learn from your mistakes. So I get Fox. I'm fine with that. Just, just give me a Josh Trank version because I can't believe that they released with all the drama with Josh Trank, they released the B-roll footage, which shows tons of scenes that would have made the film better, whether it's the flying car that crashes in the negative zone. And I don't know if this is during the big fight or not, but it also looks like the human torch gets seriously injured. So it looks like the battle is bigger and grander and, and there's more stuff going on. I don't understand why they released this because you got that whole battle. you know. And if you go to monkeysfighterrobots.com, you can read about it. We have a great article on it that breaks down the whole saga between Josh Trank and Fox. But it's if you're trying to play the PR game, why are you releasing this stuff? Why are you putting more speculation out there of like, what is this film that we could have saw? That is the end of my Fantastic Four rant. And it probably wasn't as short as it should have been. I'm going to put Fantastic Four in a box and I'm going to put it on the shelf until there is more Fantastic Four movie news. And we'll find out shortly if they're going to green light a sequel or not or how it does i mean it's it might take a little bit longer than than normal to green light a sequel but you know you're gonna find out relatively quickly if they're just gonna start from scratch give it back to marvel because they gotta move on you know they, they people need to know what they're doing what they're working on and, and stuff like that so we'll find out quickly if fox is gonna make another fantastic four i hope they do i, I like the characters i liked everybody they cast for the fantastic four they did a great job you know the the story is is crazy but uh but we'll we'll figure it hopefully fox will figure it out cindy williams from laverne and shirley is up next but first we have a special contest going on at monkeys fighting robots we have teamed up with superherostuff.com to give you a trip for two to new york comic-con it includes convention tickets airfare hotel and some spending cash all you have to do is go to our website monkeysfightingrobots.com and click on the green blinking banner that says, Win a trip to New York Comic Con and register. I wish you the best of luck and hope to see you in New York. Actress, writer, and producer, Sidney Williams has starred in some of the most historical movies and television programs in entertainment history. We're talking history here. Her career began in the 1970s in prestigious movies like American Graffiti with Ron Howard, Harrison Ford, Richard Dreyfus. Directed by George Lucas. And The Conversation with Gene Hackman, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. But once she and Penny Marshall played the Loose Girls on Happy Days, the network quickly ordered a spinoff of the dynamic comedy duo. After changing their characters to blue-collar workers in the Midwest, they made their debut in Laverne and Shirley in 1976. The show quickly became the most watched American television, surpassing Happy Days in ratings. Cindy is currently promoting her book, Surely I Jest. Cindy, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Well, thank you for having me, Matt. Your book, Surely I Jest, A Storied Life, 
is out now. Why was now the right time to publish your book? While I could still remember, uh, I uh, well, you know, I, 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 I had this is what I'd wanted to write 15 years ago. I'd wanted to just write, I wanted to write stories, fun stories that I'd had the blessing, you know, uh, of having, um, uh, being a part of, uh, because I had such wonderful adventures in my career and, uh, in my life. And so, and nobody wanted just stories. They wanted, you know, gossip and, you know, who you're going to throw under the bus and, and um, just all of that kind of stuff, which I wasn't interested in writing because I wanted to write a fun book that would be a fun read. So uh, finally, um, Taylor Trade published it, said yes to me, and, uh, and Dave Smitherman, who was my uh, collaborator and who had, you know, was the first person to approach me about writing a book 15 years ago. And so finally, you know, there was a company that didn't want all that stuff. They just you know, this publishing house said, okay, but give us a little bit about your, um, you know, childhood and growing up in it. And they were perfectly fine with just fun, positive, upbeat, kind of mirthful stories. I don't want you to spoil the book, but what is your second favorite story from the book? Second favorite? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> I, can't, I don't even... Let's see. Well, I love the story uh, in the end about um, the two actors that I don't name that wanted the cookie or the um, the story in the whiskey, a go-go, when I, waited, when I waited on Jim Morrison when he was my first customer when I was a cocktail waitress at the Whiskey A Go-Go and how crazy that was. Um, so that... Um, those two stories would be second. Don't ask me what's first. <laughs> I was researching uh, Laverne and Shirley and the ratings, and, and Laverne and Shirley is rated number one for two seasons straight, and then the studio moves the show to Thursday night and it falls out of the top 30. Why do people try to fix things that aren't broken? I don't know. I I don't know. We didn't want to move, move from uh, in the show we didn't want to move from Milwaukee to Hollywood. Penny and I were uh, really against that, and uh, but Gary insisted, and so it changed the texture of the show. Uh, I think it was the fourth season, and um, but the show was still it was still buoyant and fun. And then um, I don't I, just, I don't know. The, the show changed a lot when um, in the eighth season when I had to leave. From your time on Laverne and Shirley, do you have a moment that you're, like, most proud of? There was, you know, people ask me that. There are many moments, but one that I recall recently was uh, these, um, we, we had a show where we were dating these guys, or we thought we were dating them. We ended up, they just wanted us to cook and clean their house. But um, they had a, a medallion home where everything was electrical, and they had this Murphy bed that uh, electrically came out of the wall. But um, And then Laverne loses her earring on the bed, and uh, she goes to get it, and the bed starts snapping us back and forth. I mean, <laughs> we jump on the bed to try and get the earring off, and the bed closes up with us in it. And then 
it comes down, and every time it goes up and down, we're in different positions trying to get off the bed, but we can't because the bed has a mind of its own. It was like a third character in the scene. And it was just the way that it was timed, and we had to do it um, with these two crew members who had to pull these levers, and we would tell them when it would go up, we'd change position, we go, now, and they go down. And so it was the rhythm of that, and in the end, we do these somersaults off the bed, and it was just this, I don't know, it was just something about that that, uh, I, I I thought, wow, that was the two crew members and me and Penny, and we all worked like this wonderful team. And I remember saying to her, you know, if there was a an, an event in the Olympics for stuff like this, I think we'd take some kind of medal. You know. <laughs> anyway, that that's um, I forget the title of that episode, but that's the, sh- the show about the medallion, the the gold medallion home. It's sad, but I feel like Andy Kaufman is like an urban legend now. What was it like being around Andy? Well, I write it that I write about that at length. There, uh, that's in a chapter I called "The Mirthful Mouse," and he uh, he was just everybody's fun camp counselor. You know, hijinks. Here's what we're going to do. You know, and and it would be just these fun, fun things that you know, and hip. Always camp hip, and and the joke would always be, like I worked with him at um, a comedy club one time. He asked me to go on stage in, with him, and it was a 10 o'clock set in New York, and he said, here's what I want you to do. Go to the back of the stage. When I go up on stage, you go up stage with your back to the audience. When I start singing, you come down stage, stand behind me, and go, go dance. And I said, okay, and I never asked him what he was going to do because it was like a magic trick. So, and I didn't want to know how he did it. So um, he goes up, he starts reading, I don't know, Tender is the Night or Great Gatsby or whatever. He's reading to the audience until they start screaming at him. And I think, oh, my God, they're going to come up with torches, and you know. Um, and finally he says, I suppose you want entertainment. I suppose you want um, something uh, fun and and and." like singing and they all go yeah sing do anything but that sing and this is way a long time into the into the um routine and so i hear that singing and i come down stage and i stand behind him and he slams the book shut and he says i'll sing for you and i'm getting ready to go go dance and he sings oklahoma (laughs) oklahoma where the wind comes traveling down the plains, and I'm go-go dancing to Oklahoma. And the audience just couldn't even believe it. And I think, to you know, anyone who was in that audience later on, years later, thought, wow, I was in on something special. Because the joke was on them. And, you know, and Andy and I were delivering the joke to them. But they didn't know it at the time. They just thought, this is just a pile of terrible comedy and uh but later on they got the joke and that was the genius of andy kaufman one of the many genius parts of him cindy thank you for your time and best of luck with your book thank you matt thank you for having me that was cindy williams and her book surely i jest is available now the war was lost 
the treaty signed I was not caught True Detective Season 2 wrapped up Sunday night If you haven't seen this episode You probably should Stop listening To this podcast I don't know what the spoiler sign is Or spoiler audio I'll have to build that But we're entering spoiler country people And I would like you to turn this off If you haven't seen the episode So if you have, but never mind. I would continue to listen never mind. because the show wrapped up yesterday and I am extremely frustrated because of this. What had happened was not what I would like to happen, which is funny because I was sort of defending Fantastic Four this past week and now I'm lambasting True Detective after their show, which, which is tons of expedition, exposition happening, and there's tons of storyline, and, and I love the character interaction, but everything that made True Detective Season 1 really good was not in the second season. The Yellow King, we still don't know what that was, and that was the first sign that there might be issues with Season 2. Season 1, they caught the bad guy. So you have the detectives. They caught the bad guy. But the overall bad guys in the background, they got away and are continuing to do what they've always done. Pulling away from that, you're like, oh. And I'm th- I thought to myself, I was like, well, this is this was more about the relationship between the two detectives, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. So I was fine with it. I love those two characters. Okay, season two happens. It's in L.A. It's got a different vibe to it. There is no mystical element of the Yellow King in it which kind of changes the concept a little bit more. But Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams, Tyler Kitch, those were all good characters. At the end of episode seven, I got kicked in the nards when Paul got whacked at the end of the episode when you thought he was going to make it out. And I can go through, like, how did that guy know that he was going to be at that door when he came out of it? You know, because it didn't make any sense at all. But that's that's neither here nor there. I Because uh, I actually, going into yesterday's episode, like watching the first part, where Ray and Annie are talking about how Paul was a better person than he they were. So I got it. I was like, okay, he might need to die for them to rise up to be better people. I got this. I, I am following along. I, I, I can see where we're going with this. I like it. But... Everybody's going to go to Venezuela. Everybody's going to get out of the country. Which means... I don't understand the concept of True Detective. Like, what is... what is what The you know the title's called True Detective. So, I get it. They, fought, they, they solved the crime, but nobody actually paid the price for what they did. You know, the two kids, the, you know, that, that killed Ben Casper, they got away with it, more or less. You know, they, they weren't, nobody was going to bring them to justice. Nobody was, they weren't going to face trial. Nothing happened with that. So, I mean, the Ben Casper murder, which you, you set that up in the beginning, you're like, ooh, why, why did they do that to him? Why did they, what, what's, what's this mystery of Ben Casper's murder and all this crazy, you know, video and animal heads and other things? You're like, what's going on with this? That meant absolutely nothing. It, it really didn't. That whole that whole murder mystery, 
meant nothing. It was not. It was not about that at all. And then you find out about these parties where all these big deals are going on and there's big sex parties and drug parties with all these important people and politicians and everything like that. Do you think that's... Guess what? They're still having them. They're having them right now as we speak. They're, nobody was brought to justice. Nobody, nobody paid for their crimes. That wasn't solved. You're just aware of it. Oh, great. Thanks. I'm aware of it. And then you have Frank at the end of episode 7 you're like oh this is this is going to be good cuz you, you knew you're like there's a good chance that Frank's not going to make it cuz he's going to take on the Russians and he's going to go out in a blaze of glory but you get you understand that you understand the motivation of that so he gets he beats the Russians down he blows them up everybody's blown up yay everything's good and i'm i'm totally stealing from Larry's article right now and he wrote the most beautiful review of True Detective that I've ever read go to monkeysfighterrobots.com cheap plug go look at Larry's review of True Detective final episode but this line right here I'm gonna Frank's tale turns into a Greek tragedy at the end left in the desert walking along and then he dies in the middle of nowhere. Nobody even knows if Frank dies. You know, he's just out there in the middle of nowhere. And then by, you know, the the Latino gang, that, that's who took him out. That's not how Frank was supposed to go. This season didn't have the wisdom that season one did. I felt like season one had some wisdom to it where you were, you were thinking about things. Season two... Who are you thinking about? Who are you quoting? What are you? What's going on there? Vince Vaughn's character? All the actors did an amazing job. It was just a convoluted product. And then what happens is all the mysteries either have no meaning or solved and then there's no consequences to them, which again has no meaning, or they're just kind of left in the wind. And that's the biggest problem with this show is, is you're investing time. You know, eight episodes, eight hours, eight and a half hours of Count the Nine. I invested eight and a half hours of my time to watch this show. And I enjoyed all the actors. But nothing happened. You know, there's stuff that happened. And there's some good episodes along the way. So, I mean, and I was with the ride all the way up until this episode. I was like, let's make it happen. Because Annie, at the end of the show, she's like, oh, we got a, got a long journey ahead of us. We're never going to see Annie again. There's never going to be a season two of this group of true detectives. No, it's done. The story is done. We're never going to see them ever again. There's all this openness. And this makes me angry. And it's funny because, you know, what a lot of people were telling me made them angry for Fantastic Four didn't make me angry for Fantastic Four. But it's the same things I'm now angry for in True Detective. So it's the irony of this weekend is just killing me. I, I can see where there's a great concept. And I'm totally going to watch season three when it comes out. I'll be the first person there and we'll talk about it some more and I'm going to hope that they give me good things because that's what I want to see is I want creative people to try to make creative things and 
again sometimes you miss and you get back up and you're great again and that's all i asked for but this season of the true detective will not get the same accolades as season one i think all the actors and the cinematographers should get all the accolades in the world but at the everybody who had touched that story or didn't touch that story you guys are the people that i blame for the debacle that was season two of true detective hey matt we survived another episode oh no once again there are several ways to continue the conversation after the show follow us on twitter at monkeys underscore robots you can look at all our silly photos on instagram at monkeys fighting robots you can follow me on twitter at matthew sardo the biggest compliment we receive is when the subscriber number goes up on soundcloud also if you have a chance rate our show on itunes if you have an android device listen to our show on stitcher there's also this great app called TuneIn. listen to every radio station in the world plus the monkey sweating robots podcast okay lunchbox let's try this again there are so many people that made the 48th episode of monkey Fighting robots a success special thanks to sydney williams for calling the monkey Fighting robots hotline Jeff Shade is the creator of our amazing intros and outros. Jessica Wynn designed the Monkey Fighting Robots logo. Are you a monkey or are you a robot? The staff at Visual Realm built our website and keeps us up and running. To all my friends, family, and the interweb, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Monkey Fighting Robots. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.